0: Hello and welcome to the Beautiful Business Podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way of doing business. We believe beautiful businesses are led with purpose by people who care, guided by a clear strategy and soulfully grown. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Beautiful Business Podcast. My name is Yuan Sang, part of the Beautiful Business team and this week I was joined by Alex Holliman. Alex is the founder and managing director of Climbing Trees, a B Corp certified, forward-thinking, ethically-minded PPC and SEO agency who are experts at Google and Facebook ads. Alex leads a team of 16 talented digital marketing experts who are on a mission to create a positive impact for their clients and the planet. Before this, Alex spent 20 years working in global media giants and independent agencies. Alex is all about trying to do business in a better way, advocating for positive change. And Climbing Trees is working hard towards its goal of becoming net zero and are in the process of planting 1 million trees by 2030, with 265,000 already in the ground. Let's talk about growing and retaining the team. Tell us a bit about the Climbing
1: Trees team. How big is it? What's the structure? And how does it work? So we're 15 or 16 strong. I think. In terms of we've got two clear sides, paid and organic. And so we have leads on those. And we're going through a process of working out We're thinking about the language we use for job titles. And so we can do that collaboratively. And then we're thinking about restructuring. Because what we know is where we are in our journey has got us here. But then if we want to double in size over the next two or three years, it probably will hold us back. So we need to do a piece of work there in terms of structure. I'm not a big fan of job titles. And I've had to surrender into being managing director. I think before that I was founder, but part of my growing up has been stepping up to be managing director. I'm not a big fan of job titles that imply um, sort of leadership or control. I do recognize that job titles are important internally for people working out where they are in the scheme of things. And then externally, in terms of first impressions, where does this person fit in? And so we're going to talk about what language you use across the business in terms of job descriptions. Yeah, so we've broadly got these two sides of the business. We've then got an admin function, which takes up admin, finance, Marketing and there's a sort of you know emergent roles appearing. We'll hope to recruit someone for marketing later on this year. And I think as much as possible, I just try and get out of the way of the team. They performance manage accounts, and we've recruited Jody, who's performance lead, who's coming in to try and help people onboard new clients and then also maximise the potential that we have with our existing stable of clients. So it sounds like there's a real. If not in terms of the job titles. And it seems funny, doesn't it? It's almost like the cart
0: before the horse. You know, it feels like you need to know what the function is. What are they responsible for? What do they need to be really good at? You know, what do we need them to do? And then you can work out what title fits almost past the fact.
1: Absolutely. I think we're taking an approach where we're going to have people that are not client facing, that are just technical deliverable. We'll then have account management functions. We'll have project management functions as well. So there's sort of like an evolutionary piece that we're going on.
0: Mm. Is this where the playbook comes in? When we spoke before, you talk- about the climbing trees playbook and the big thing for you about enabling transparency with the team
1: yeah and i think that you know we've doubled down and it's mainly inspired by the b corp thing so we offer coaching mentoring trainings 100 of our staff were trained in last year we provide mental health support we're doing a whole like a six week project on mental health and dealing with stress because agency life can be quite stressful and it's something we continually need to do better on. And so we're doing that. I think that's starting in a few weeks' time. So we really try and look after our people. We've got private medical insurance. We pay really, really competitive rates. The majority of our team have had bonuses over the last year. We gave a cost of living bonus because we didn't want our staffing the pinch going into last winter. And so we really retain our people. And I think that's a big thing for me in terms of as a stakeholder, I could lowball people in terms of salary, make a load of savings, not bother training them and that kind of thing and have more dividends to take out. And I think short term, I'd probably be better for it. But longer term, I'd probably end up having a higher staff churn and more problems. So there's a balance with that piece. and I think in terms of legacy to be an employer that really gives a damn and cares about their staff, that's important to me. And so we do things like going into the pandemic, I presented the team the cash flow. So I was worried about the business. So I thought they'd be worried about the business. They knew what was going on. Each day we were getting one or two calls from clients saying, we're going to pause our activity. We're going to stop our activity. And so we presented the cash flow forecast. We had the cash in the bank so they could see our run rate on the bottom line. This is what's in. This is what's out. This is how far we've got to go. Because what I didn't want to do with a young team is just turn around one day and say to them, yeah, that job you've had for the last few years, well, you're gone. So I wanted to take them on that journey. We didn't have to, but we sort of shared that much information. Coming into last year, I said, I always sort of prepare for the worst, but then shoot for the best. Psychologically, it's probably really unhealthy of me. But I think what I wanted is if we did go into recession and clients were cancelling, I gave my team a recessionary playbook in terms of this is what would happen. And so we've built up reserves in the business whereby we would aggressively go after new business for three months to replace any sort of losses and that kind of stuff. We haven't had to activate it. But what I didn't want is my team thinking, what happens if we do lose clients and we do go into a recession? I wanted to own that sort of narrative and reassure them that they would have a three month plan to actually you know, go after new business and try and you know, make up any shortfalls.
0: That's interesting. And again, it's that level of transparency with your team through the good times and the bad, I suppose. It helps build that engagement. It helps comes back to trust as well. So they trust you. And again, I certainly felt in teams I worked in past, when you do have that level of trust, when you do have that level of transparency, it unlocks you know just that bit extra people just going over and above. It might be that they just work that bit harder or whatever it might be, but they don't begrudge it. You know, they want to. There's that passion, there's that desire to, you know, almost for the benefit of all, you know, to dig that bit deeper because there is that empowerment almost
1: absolutely and i think there's nothing you know i've been in a situation where an agency's gone on the run of losing a few clients and everyone's been put up for redundancy and you see the shock and the trauma that people have to go through and i think you know there's an opportunity to do things in a more forward thinking ways we're seeing at the moment so most tech companies are letting go of 10 20 of their staff in anticipation of whatever's coming later on in 2023 after probably having spent millions and millions to recruit the staff they're just letting go of and then probably in two or three years, they'll have to spend millions and millions to... I do feel that there is a, you know, if part of the B Corp community are doing this thing called the Better Business Act, where they're trying to change directors' fiduciary responsibility so that it's not purely to return profit to shareholders, you can make decisions that place importance on people and planet as well. I almost think if, like, these large tech companies were able to say, well, actually, what we know is we're not going to return profit to shareholders for the next two years, but these people we've recruited and the livelihoods of their families we're going to look after them because we know we're going to need them in two or three years when we come out or whatever we're going into. But they don't have that ability based on the current sort of business framework.
0: No, they don't. It's a short-termism as well, isn't it? These kind of quarterly stakeholder meetings, shareholder meetings and reports and things like this is that, you know, they can't see past the three-month window. And I think that just does not help the
1: situation, as you say. And that's how business is set up globally. Mm. And I think this Better Business Act, the UK, have one of the most considered business acts Globally, and we would then move into the position of being the beacon for hope for business globally as well. So I think there's a tremendous potential for it. So we'll see. I think it's going through like Parliament and being read and that kind of thing. So that's interesting.
0: That'll be really interesting if nothing else. Almost like a litmus test to see how much power dare I say you know the influence and power that you know these bigger corporates and the people who sit on those boards have, you know, to kind of affect these kind of movements. And there's a lot. I hear you speak so passionately about making a difference and making a change and looking after your team. That must speak a lot to the culture within the team and the culture that you built there at Climbing Trees. What, how would you describe the culture there? And the other bit that would be really interesting, though, would be how do you protect it and make sure that there aren't, you know, negative influences on it?
1: So I think our recruitment processes are the most considered they ever have been. I'm not necessarily involved in those these days and so we make sure that we're recruiting the best person for the role regardless of age, gender, ethnicity, sexuality or whatever so we've got a really sort of diverse mix in the team and that's something where we still have progress to make. Culturally I think we're supportive of each other, we look out for each other and I think everyone in the team if I look at them I can see how they're putting their shoulders to the wheel to actually push us on because we're a growing business. You know, I look around the business there's opportunity for improvement everywhere a really good position to be in you could look at that another way and say there's a load of stuff that's broken but you know depending to which angle you look at and um you know i just sort of you know i have confidence that with effort we'll just push on and achieve the targets that we've set ourselves It's so important, isn't it, especially for a smaller
0: company, that, as you say, if everybody's putting the shoulder to the wheel, if everybody's putting their best foot forward and fighting the kind of of good fight, it has this amazing kind of compound effect on everybody else, doesn't it? It almost feels then out of place that if there's somebody who isn't doing it. As I say, you know, not to the point where, you know, the knives and the daggers kind of come out, but almost to the point where they don't fit the square peg in the round hole and it almost becomes a self-managing, self-guiding kind of thing.
1: Absolutely, and we have people that are permanent part-time and so what we don't want is them overworking. So they're part-time because they've got family commitments that they want to fulfil whilst having a engaging career. And so we're very clear that we don't want people just to have a culture of presenteeism or overworking. But there are always situations where you will have to go above and beyond. And there's no moaning and groaning from the team on that. And I think that, you know, we're just in a place where the majority of people are really sort of pushing hard pushing themselves and growing so where they were two years ago to where they are today they have developed in their careers i know that i have personally and that's just a continual sort of process and i think this is the big thing it's about what's got us here will not get us to where we want to be in two or three years and so we need to do better and so there's probably a culture of dissatisfaction in some ways not in a horrible sort of blame culture kind of way but there are opportunities for improvement across the whole piece hundred percent
0: and it is really interesting. I often think the biggest organization that I've worked for had was like 150, as in like proper job, not like, you know, mm-hmm. school job kind of thing. And I almost feel like we're quite lucky when we run these businesses, you know, 10, 20, 30 kind of employee size, where it's really hard to hide. It's easy to spot the people that are being carried. Whereas as you get to the, the challenge will be when Climbing Trees gets to that 40, 50 employee size, when it's harder to spot that kind of thing. I guess that's where the new set of challenges will come.
1: Absolutely. And the as yet not existing HR function at climbing trees can deal with all that stuff. <laughs>
0: Love it. Great stuff.
1: I want to touch on very
0: briefly, just so we've got a couple more minutes left, about the sustainability part. Because you're part of the Million Tree Pledge, I believe, at Climbing Trees. yeah. And there's over a quarter of a million trees planted through you guys.
1: Is that about right? Yeah, I think it's, yes, absolutely. It's like 265 or something thousand. That's incredible.
0: What kind of effect does that have on the team? Is it a big deal for you? I mean, it's a lovely thing to have on the website. I think it's a lovely thing to do, the right thing to do from a planner perspective. Does it have an effect on the team? Do you feel it has an effect on the culture and the people?
1: To some degree, yes. I think that, you know, this stemmed out or grew from the B Corp application process. I'd never considered our impact on the environment. And so we've doubled down on that side of things. And we've used a tool that Beamer share where you can go through a course and measure your own carbon footprint. We did that for 2019, which was a benchmark prior to lockdown 2020. We've worked with an external provider to provide accurate data for 21. We're just finishing off modelling 2022 data. And so in terms of sustainability, my enthusiasm to join the million tree pledge was you know there's worse legacies to have in the world than to have contributed to planting a million trees of those million a certain percentage will grow through and start sequestering carbon and putting things right and i think for me it's a symbolic thing based on the fact that for 10 years I ran the business i didn't think about this kind of thing it wasn't in my mind i was oblivious to it just keeping the lights on making payroll not thinking about it and so there's a certain amount of wanting to put things right like personally and for the business but then for the team as well we more than offset anything Thing that we do for the business i think the sustainability i probably did it like put the horse before the cart in as much as the first thing we did was offsetting and then we looked at the electric you know we're speaking to getting quotes to try and get some funding so that we can retrofit insulation in the office change the lighting so it's not this horrible fluorescent strip lighting and then have automated switches so the office is actually you know more energy efficient we've changed how we go on our team trips rather than flying we get the train that we try and default meetings to the video rather than in person there's massive need in our world to always have face-to-face meetings and so we try and then default to public transport or car sharing whereas there were years when i was doing 25 30 000 miles in a little diesel car running around trying to you know hoover up business when that was what we were doing things have changed and so i think it's a sort of foundational element and If you've got a choice between, as a business owner, of running your business sustainably or not doing it, I think most people who choose to do it sustainably maybe don't know about it, and I was certainly ignorant of it.
0: You were saying, from a founder's perspective, doing the right thing, I guess, like, who wouldn't want to do it? And I suppose from a culture, from a team perspective as well, I guess it's another way of showing that it's not just talk, you know, that you are doing it and you are living
1: your purpose. Absolutely. And I don't think that we want to set ourselves up as being perfect. I think that we're very, very far from that. We're trying to be the kind of business that the world of the future needs. And we've got a massive amount of stuff still to carry on doing. Do you know a lot about emissions and scope one, two and three emissions? No, huge amount. Give me the highlights. So scope one emissions are, if we had a gas boiler on the premises, we'd actually be emitting on the premises. Scope two are things like if I was buying non renewable energy. And scope three are the services. And so we have in the business no scope one emissions. Scope two emissions is there are some emissions, even if you're manurable, when the energy is sent down the not pipes or tubes. Down the wires, um, yeah. Scope of three emissions are then what we buy. So if I've got an accountant that is sustainable and one that isn't, our money's going in one way. It's like with banking. It's the same with the stationery we buy, the machines we buy. So everything we buy, so we stay in hotels, you can stay in environmentally friendly ones or less environmentally friendly ones. If we are going on a business trip, you can fly business class, you can go first class, or you can go economy, and economy is much more efficient based on the room that it takes up. So there are all number of considerations with how you spend your money. And I think the process we've worked with, with our external consultant is to try and uncover where we need to do better so that we can then try and manage that and then reduce it. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where our 2022 data has got to, because the world from 21 to 22 was very different in terms of pandemic being over, things opening up, us doing more stuff. And so my fear is we're actually making per employee more of a negative impact on the environment than we were during lockdown. Mm. So then we have to start thinking about, well, actually, how can we change things? So that's why I'm always at pains to say, even though we're doing all this stuff, we will still be having an impact and that's what we need to try and do better on.
0: Thank you so much to Alex from Climbing Trees for joining us in this episode of the Beautiful Business podcast. I really enjoyed our chat and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's Beautiful Business podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way to do business. Join us next time for more interesting discussions on how businesses can bring about change, helping communities, building a fairer society and safeguarding the planet. You can also join in the discussion
1: at www.beautifulbusiness.uk.